Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Saints podcast. It is yours truly, TJ Jones, and thank you so much uh, for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. And as y'all can see, um, I'm back at the radio station. Uh, it's been a while, man. It's been probably like three weeks since I've been at the radio station. I've been working from home, uh, but I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad that you all are spending uh, your morning uh, with your truly. Uh, you know, just want to say to each and every one of you, I uh, appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, this is a very interactive show for those that are new to the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, this is the show where if you have questions or comments, uh, you can just go ahead and put the comments uh, inside the chat. Uh, and we answer questions uh, on this edition. We're going to be talking about Taysom Hill and Sean Payton. And does Sean Payton trust Taysom Hill? And this topic actually came from a listener of the State of the Saints podcast. So this isn't my opinion about the situation i'm just answering a question and i thought it was uh quite intriguing especially uh since when we think about it we look at the game against the Denver broncos and some members of the who that nation are, are using this as a bulletin board material or using it as the big horn that they use to tell everybody that Taysom is not the guy and not the future of the new orleans saints so, like I said, I just thought it would be an interesting topic, and um, also I'll be taking some of your questions. But let's go ahead and start. Let's talk about Taysom Hill for a second, okay? It was his second start against the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Denver Broncos didn't have a quarterback. They ended up using Kendall Hinton, uh, a practice squad receiver, who didn't play quarterback in years. And the Saints ended up scratching their entire offensive game plan. Okay, they, they decided to keep it conservative. They, they decided to run the football more than passing it and not put Denver in a position where hope would be given to them, right? I mean, you don't turn the ball over. You don't make any mistakes. and You just keep the ball, you know, on, on you know, your side. And if you don't get, you know, if you don't convert on third down, just punt it. And hopefully, you know, they get the ball back, won't do nothing with it. So... Taysom Hill uh, only threw the ball 16 times in this game. Okay, he only threw the ball 16 times. The Saints ran the ball 44 times. And people are asking a question, why did Taysom Hill only throw the ball 16 times? It must be because Sean Payton don't trust him. Look, I, I, I'm not buying it, all right? I'm not buying the fact that Sean Payton doesn't trust Taysom Hill because if you look at everything that's going on with the New Orleans Saints, if you look at the playoff positioning, you look at the fact that they have the number one seed, there's a lot on the line for the New Orleans Saints. And I fail to believe that Sean Payton uh, would be trying to experiment with Taysom Hill at this particular point. He has Taysom Hill in the game because he feels that Taysom Hill can win him some football games. Uh, Sean Payton is not the one to sugarcoat. We've seen this on several occasions. We've seen him bench guys uh, for not doing certain things. Uh, we know about him, you know, benching Kenny Vaccaro a couple years back. We know about him benching Jamal Brown a couple uh, couple years back. So it's not like, you know, I, I don't get that vibe. You know, I, I think that Sean understands what Taysom Hill brings to the table. He understands his skill set. And I really feel like Sean Payton has schemes, you know, and offense offensive innovation design uh, for Taysom Hill, you know, in order for him to go out there and play the quarterback position. I just think that the Saints just completely scratched the game plan. You know, they scratched it, scraped it, you know what I'm saying, get it up out of here. I mean, 
This was a game where it was, I hate to say it because, uh, like Rodney Harrison said, there are no easy games in the National Football League, but, I mean, you, you have to say it. This was an easy football game. The only way the Denver Broncos were going to beat the New Orleans Saints if the Saints beat themselves first. And I like the game plan. Just run the football, you know, pound it down their throat, right? You know, pound it down their throat and then go home with the dub. That's it. So, I know how people feel about it. People want to see Taysom Hill in action, right? You want to see Taysom Hill throw for about 300 yards, four touchdowns, and just say, man, uh, you know what? This is the guy. Or you want to see him go out there, throw four interceptions, get mad, throw something at the television and say, man, get him up out of here. We want Jameis. I have a few conspiracy theories about that. I think some of you probably heard me talk about it when Mark Menard from WWL was on the show a couple of days ago. I really feel like Sean Payton is hiding out Jameis Winston. That's first and foremost. Uh, I think that Sean Payton is a guy who, who pays attention to certain things. I think he, he has a great attention to detail. And I really feel like he doesn't want history to repeat itself. I, I really feel like uh, Sean Payton uh, wants to hide Jameis Winston out and keep him far away from the field as possible. And he really feels like he can fix Jameis Winston to a point where if Drew Brees was to retire, then Jameis can be a a good offensive, uh, you know, player for the team, a good quarterback for the team. And I think that he learned this lesson from Teddy Bridgewater, which, you know, I, I always felt like that was a plan that backfired. Uh, I feel like Tate, I feel like uh, Teddy Bridgewater was the guy that Sean Payton wanted uh, as his quarterback. He wanted Teddy to be the successor to Drew Brees. I think some conversations were taking place. And I really feel like Teddy came back because uh, he wanted to be, uh, you know, the successor to Drew Brees. But, you know, Drew Brees ends up getting hurt. Um, he misses five games. Teddy comes in the game, plays well, puts a complete body of work out there for organizations to see. And it, it didn't help the New Orleans Saints because, you know, him being out there, it, it really cost them an opportunity to use Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm looking at this like he's trying to do this with Jameis Winston. He's trying to fix the issues uh, with Jameis Winston. He feels like he can. And he's trying to keep Jameis Winston off the field because he doesn't want any any tape on him to be out there surfacing, being like, you know what, man, I think we need to go out here and get Jameis. Oh, I think we need to get him, man. You seen how he played against the Eagles? You seen how he played against the Falcons? You seen how he played against the Chiefs? You know, like... I don't think he wants that out there. So that's the reason I feel like this whole Taysom Hill experience is going on. And plus, I think a promise was made to Taysom Hill to give him a fair shot at being a starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. So you're you're not disappointing Taysom. And at the same time, you're helping Jameis Winston uh, fix his issues. And I don't want to hear that stuff about, oh, Jameis, you know, he can't fix his issues. Look. We see it going on in Tampa right now with Tom Brady. We seen it going with Carson Palmer. We seen it with Big Ben Roethlisberger. We seen it with Andrew Luck. Uh, Bruce Arians' quarterbacks under his tutelage suffer. Okay, and they 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 play really bad. They they have a high rate of interceptions, and they make a lot of mistakes out there because he wants to throw the ball down the field. I think with uh, Jameis and Sean Payton uh, together, I think that Sean Payton can make him a better quarterback. You know, once upon a time, Drew Brees wasn't the quarterback he, he is for the New Orleans Saints. He wasn't always the the, the first ballot Hall of Famer uh, that he is right now. Uh, under Marty Schottenheimer, I mean, he suffered. He was a middle-of-the-pack 
almost below average quarterback. So he came to New Orleans and Sean Payton uh, took him under his wing and, and, and turned Drew Brees into a really good quarterback. So, you know, I, I just feel like schemes matter, folks. I feel like schemes matter. I, I feel like schemes keep guys on the field. I feel like offensive innovators keep guys relevant. You know, I, they, they keep these guys at the top of their game. You know, I, I really feel like as, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes would be as good as he is if Doug Marone was his coach. I mean, I think he would have all that arm talent, but I don't think he would be the quarterback that he is today without Andy Reid. You know, I, I look at guys like Sean Payton. I don't know if Drew Brees would be the quarterback that he is today if it wasn't for Sean Payton. I think that Drew Brees would be a really good quarterback, uh, but I don't think he would be all-time great if it wasn't for Sean Payton. I mean, guys need good coordinators. Guys need, you know, they need that person in their ear to tell them when they're doing right, when they're doing wrong. I mean, Jared Goff is another guy. I mean, do y'all, some of y'all probably don't know this. Some of y'all do if you follow sports. But do you know that Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, talks to Jared Goff through his headset and, and tells him the coverages and where to throw the ball when he sees like certain looks. They talk all the way up to the 15 second point, point uh, when, the, when the mic goes out. Okay, so basically he is the quarterback whisperer, literally and figuratively. Um, you, you need that guy. Um, I feel like that's the same issue with Carson Wentz. I mean, I made a video about that a couple of days ago. I just feel like the reason why he's suffering is because of, you know, I mean, you, you don't have a good offensive coordinator. I don't think guys just forget the, how to play the quarterback position. It's rather two things are going to happen. It's rather a guy that has untapped potential under the right uh, offensive coordinator is going to live up to expectations or exceed expectations, or he's going to go to somebody that's going to be his demise and it's going to cause him a lot of hardship. I think with Jameis Winston, I think, first off, Jameis Winston went to a situation in Tampa that was a train wreck. No disrespect to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan base out there, but I think I'm not telling y'all something y'all don't already know. It was a train wreck. It was terrible out there. And they, they, they drafted Jameis Winston as the first pick overall to save a franchise. And you didn't put much around him. You didn't really fix your offensive line. You never really gave him a running game. And you gave him a whole bunch of weapons to put behinds in seats. And that's cool, man, because, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they are incredible wide receivers, but... You know, if you want to talk about winning, you know, winning ain't always sexy. You know, it's not always going to look good. I'd rather, I'd rather have a Tennessee Titan-type offense and be winning football games to just have an Eric Coriel, throw the football all over the place, greatest shown turf-type offense, and don't win nothing. You know, so I feel like with Tampa, I mean, they, they were just trying to, I think they were trying to make Jameis an attraction. More so than trying to put things around him to succeed. In New Orleans, Jameis Winston is just a guy, right? In Tampa, he was the guy. You go to New Orleans, you have a running game. You have an offensive line. Uh, you, you have weapons uh, at the wide receiver position. You have arguably the best wide receiver in football in Michael Thomas. You have a really good route runner and a, and a, a great pass catcher in Emmanuel Sanders. And you got some young bulls ready to come up. So it's not all on him in order for him to just, you know, all he has to do is just go out there and play his game. I mean, 
Put, put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. You ain't got to worry about making the play to win the game. You got enough guys on the field to do that. So, like I said, I just think that those type of things matter. I think that Taysom Hill being out there on the field is a promise that yeah, Sean Payton made to him. And it's sink or swim. You know, he's giving his, he's putting something on tape. And at the same time, you can fix Jameis Winston issues because let's, let's just be honest about this. You know, Jameis hit the nail on the head week 17 last year of his final game in Tampa. He said, I have what it takes to be the greatest of all time. He said, if I just eliminate these turnovers. And like I said, you know, under Bruce Arians offense, you know, if you have an issue with turning the ball over, which Jameis has had throughout his college career and his pro career, it's only going to get worse under Bruce Arians. So I think on average, okay, I don't say on average, but I think the most Jameis ever threw was 15 interceptions in the season, right? So under Bruce Arians, I mean, it doubled. So let's just say if you were a quarterback and you threw the ball and it was intercepted seven times. I mean, under Bruce Arians, it's going to turn it to 14 times or 21 times, you know, because you're throwing the ball way too much. So I just think that it's a different situation, man. I think it's a different situation when guys are appointed to be the guy, you know, people are expecting them to just, you know, become all-time great so fast and they don't put many things behind them. They it just sink or swim out there, you know. It's almost like they say in the Navy, right? They say they bring you out there in the middle of the water and they throw you in there and tell you to swim back to shore. It's kind of what they're doing in, in some of these struggling franchises and some of these quarterbacks with a lot of potential are paying the price. Uh, but thank you all very much for uh, checking out the State of the Saints podcast. About to go ahead and... um. Read some of the comments. Rudy says, uh, Jameis Winston's interceptions came not only from the coaching, but also from tip passes from the wider receivers, but still managed a 5,000 yard and uh, three touchdowns. Yeah, that, that is true. That That is true. Uh, but I think you got to put that on Jameis and coaching. Uh, he did, let me see, uh, he did enough to win the game. Did not want to get Falcons film on him. Who that? Uh, let's go to 10 and 2. Uh, Brian, you know, I, I think I think there's some validity behind that. But back to what Rudy was saying, and I'll get back to you, Brian. But I think that you, when you throw the ball in the air, right? When you, I mean, it's it's bound uh, to get intercepted if you put more passes in the air. Okay, I mean, the more attempts that you have, the most likely it's going to be is going to be intercepted. Okay, so Tampa was throwing the ball all over the place. I mean. It's just ridiculous, man, the way that they just throw the ball all over the place. I mean, it's it's really no shock value behind it. You know, like everybody knows when they come into Tampa Raymond James Stadium, they're going to throw the football. But the 5,000 yards, you know, to me is almost like empty calories because if you're throwing the football, it's getting picked off left and right. Uh, you're throwing the football to keep yourself in the game because you probably threw yourself out the game. You probably threw yourself out of the game by throwing all these interceptions, and now you got to throw it, throw yourself back into it. It's almost like Dak Prescott, right? You know, Dak Prescott, he played like slow. Uh, first half of the, you know, first half of the game, team down by about two, two or three touchdowns. The next thing you know, he balling out, throwing a football all over the place for about four hundred yards because he's trying to get his team back in the game. So I'm not so much, I'm not so much impressed by the five thousand yards. I'm, I'm not. You know, I know that sounds crazy. I mean, five thousand yards is nothing to to sneeze at. But when you're the reason why, 
You know, like, <laughs> you're the reason why you have to throw all those yards. It's, it's kind of becomes unimpressive to me. Dada Saints, number one, says, uh, I agree, TJ. Uh, Sean seen Jameis daily in practice, and he knows what he has. So uh, why throw him out there and repeat the same thing as what happened to Teddy? Uh, look, Sean Payton is a guy who pays attention to detail. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, how how they say how meticulous he is when it comes to, like, game planning, like, even things in a building. Like, he, he's, he's, like, meticulous about those type of things. So, and I know he pays attention to detail to a point where if he sees something happening or something trending, then, you know, he, he'll write it down or memorize it or something like that. And I just think with the whole Jameis Winston thing, I, I think that he's trying to make sure the same situation doesn't happen uh, that happened with Teddy happens with James. Uh, let's let's go. Let me go up a little bit. Let me thank y'all so much for being a part of the Estate of Saints podcast. I really do appreciate. It. Thank you for your comments. Uh, your boy Jay says another reason I think the play calling was conservative was to not give the Falcons too much film on him uh, to see what he can do. Your boy Jay, um. I'm going to tell you all something. I'm not really buying that too much. Uh, the Saints already played the Falcons, and they blew them out. But, I mean, look, you may not have that much film on, on Taysom like that, but you know the tendencies of those other players. You know what those other players are going to do. So if you can try to neutralize some of those other players, you can still make it hard for Taysom. I mean, he's a quarterback, for God's sake. So his job is to deliver the ball and give the ball to the receivers or the running back. So if you neutralize some of these, uh, you know, these elite players that the Saints have, then it still will make it hard on Taysom. And, you know, if you're looking at the way that the, the Denver Broncos, you know, played them defensively, I mean, you do have film on it. So it's not so much about, you know, I mean, you still got you still got film. If a, if a team has a, uh, you know, if a team uh, is impressive versus a quarterback, Trust and believe that coaching staff is going to grab that film and see what made that defense so successful. So the Denver Broncos, I mean, they for them, they did neutralize Taysom Hill. And I, I feel like uh, some of the defensive schemes and, and some the way that they're going to play the Saints are going to be because of uh, what Vic Fangio uh, you know, came up with in order to stop them. Like 5,000 yards in a 7-9 and a nine season. Absolutely, Gerard. You know, that's, I mean, that's like with Drew Brees or whatever, you know. I mean, but I would say that Drew Brees' 5,000 yards were more impressive than Jameis because it wasn't like Drew Brees was throwing us out of the game. Drew Brees was throwing us in the game. It was just our defense was horrible. I feel like it's different. You know, if you're throwing for 5,000 yards and you're throwing interceptions, you're the reason why your team is behind the eight ball, then, you know, that's that's your fault. But with Drew Brees, Drew Brees was out there balling. He was out there throwing all the touchdowns. It was just the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed at that time. So I do feel like his 5,000 yards are more impressive than Jameis. I'm curious to see what would happen if we have a Wentz, uh, Winston, and Hill backfield and quarterback room. Well, I don't think you're going to see all that. You know, <laughs> I think you're going to see one or the other. But, look, I am a Carson Wentz fan. I, I really am. I'm, I'm a Carson Wentz fan. I don't care what anybody says. You don't forget how to play quarterback. You just, I mean, being a quarterback, what I've learned, 
studying the you know the NFL, uh, you know, college football. Confidence is one thing, right? And a belief is another thing. You want to have the confidence that you can go out there and and put your team in a position to win every Saturday or every Sunday. But you also want the trust of your coaching staff. And I feel like what Philadelphia did by drafting Jalen Hurts so early in the draft is telling uh, is telling the Philadelphia Eagles, telling Carson Wentz that he's on a short leash, right? That, that's what it's saying to me. That's, that's what it's telling me. And I'm pretty sure that's what it's telling Carson as well. And if you don't think that your team believes in you, it's going to affect you psychologically. It, it really is. It's going to affect you psychologically. Now, I know some people are saying, well, what about Green Bay? I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. What does that say? Look, people are wired different, right? Some people play with a chip on their shoulder. When people say that they not good enough, when people write them off, people rise to the occasion. You know, and then you have some people who probably need their ego stroke. They probably not wired that way. And I just feel like with Carson Wentz, I think that he needs a, a team or, you know, a coaching staff that believes in him. So that's why I feel like he's probably going to end up going to somewhere like Indianapolis where his old offensive coordinator, Frank Wright, where he had his best seasons. I think he probably going to end up somewhere like that. Or he can end up in, in New Orleans. And I don't look, and like I said, it don't matter to me what people think. Like I, I was, uh, you know, I made a video about Carson Wentz. Some of y'all probably seen it, you know. And I know this is the State of the Saints podcast, but I'm, I'm talking hypotheticals here. If he came to the New Orleans Saints, I, I'm telling you, he'll be a league MVP. Like that's how that's how much talent this guy has. This is how much ability and belief I have in this dude. It just it's just the system, you know, like. Some guys need a little bit more TLC, right? You know, like some you you need that like you need that elite play call in your ear. There are some guys that are going to exceed expectations and and just ball out regardless. You know, like I don't care who the coach is, I don't care who the coordinator is, they're gonna ball out because they possess that type of talent. And then you have guys who need that extra touch, who need that extra. Uh, you know, that, that, that extra push. That person that sees the field right along with them and probably sees it a little bit better than they do. And I feel like with Carson Wentz, he needs a team that believes in him, number one. He also needs a coach that can get him in the right position to succeed. And he needs a coordinator uh, that can see the field uh, just as much as him, if not more. I like him a lot. I really do. I, I really do like uh, Carson Wentz. No doubt about that. And if he, he was on a free agent market. I definitely He definitely would be one of the guys that I would be interested in, um, you know, being a part of the Saints organization. Uh, TJ, what do you think about the loss of the draft pick because of party? Uh, I just feel like that was unfair. Uh, you, you see other teams around the NFL, Cole, who have done the same exact thing and nothing really happened to them. I mean, I think uh, the New England Patriots got a quarter million dollar fine, $250,000. Uh, you know, I just feel like, look, if if you're going to find everybody and you're going to take draft picks, uh, there are other videos surfacing as well. So why why just stop at the Saints? You know, I, I feel like it was unfair. Kevin says, uh, so many last minute touchdowns we gave up over the years. Yeah, so many of them. 
so many of them, you know, and, you know, hopefully it stops this year. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reserving my judgment because that's just the way I roll. You know, over the last couple of years, I mean, I, I still have faith and belief that the Saints can win the game, but I'm reserving my judgment, man. Like, it, it to me, you know what I'm saying, I just, I watch the games completely different than I have in years past. In years past, you know, when I see, like, the Saints go ahead with about 45 seconds left on the clock, I used to get excited. I used to be happy. Like, yeah, man, we got this in the bag. But until the clock hit all zeros, that's when I start getting excited. I don't care what the I don't care what the game is. It can be the game next week. It can be the game this week. You know, I just – I kind of just sit back and just analyze and, and see the game and just be like, okay, whatever happened, it happened, case arise, sarah. Uh, but hopefully they can get over these uh, these disappointing, uh, you know, moments. You know, it looks like they're turning a corner, but you never know. <clears throat> Justin says, what up, TJ? Taysom just going to have to settle down and make consistent throws. And right now, the media making it seem like he can't throw either. Well, I hate to say it, man, forget the media. You know, like I, I've learned over the last couple weeks that the media likes to spin a lot of things. The media wants to tell their narrative. They want to keep certain people in, in the press clippings. They want to make people believe that this team is better than this team and they're right and everybody got an ego and guys just want to be right and act as if they never said it. They're telling their PR team to delete videos that, you know, saying that can verify that they said things a couple weeks ago. Look, I mean, it's just. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't even pay attention to the media like that anymore. Of course, you know what I'm saying? I watch it because I have to bring it all um, to the podcast. But I, I, I don't look at the media the same way, you know. The media, I think they get off on trying to control the narrative. I mean, it, it's, it's not about giving you the information that you need. It's not about facts. It's about just making people their puppets. I, it, I mean... I don't know, you know, I, I was watching this uh, movie the other day, if y'all can give me a few minutes. Well, not even the other day, actually last night on my break uh, when I was at work. And um, I was watching this uh, story about the guy named Richard Jewell, right? Um, some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about. He was the guy who, who found the bomb um, at Centennial Park in Atlanta uh, during the Olympics back in 1996. And the guy found the, uh, you know, he found the bomb, you know, he ended up like, saving lives, you know what I'm saying? Only, I think it was only one person that died. A hundred people got hurt, but, you know, you know, it, it would have been a lot worse if he didn't find that bomb. So for a couple of days, this guy was like a, a hero. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was singing his praises and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, you know, people just started to, like, question this guy because he was a little bit weird, you know? Like, and the media just turned this guy into the suspect and had it, had everybody like thinking this dude was was the bomber and ruined this guy's life you know like ruined this guy's life completely it ruined this guy's life guy was out there you know couldn't go nowhere people was looking at him sideways and it turns out the dude didn't even do it you know but the media had already you know made him guilty in a court of public opinion but I say that to say this, you know, it, it's not even about the facts. It's about controlling the narrative. It's about making people believe what they believe. And they get off on that type of stuff. They do. They get off on it. 
You know, and that's why, you know, I, I try not to, you know, I, these days, I try not to take myself so serious. I don't try to take myself so serious. That's why, like, it, it was a time, and I'm still working on it. But for the most part, I, I try not to let it get to me. But it used to be a time where somebody would come to me and say something, you know, oh, you said this about the Saints, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. You need to quit the show or get off the podcast. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, but... You know, I, I don't I don't take myself as serious, right? I feel like if you don't take yourself as serious, you know, like it, it won't won't bother you as much. You know, people are so focused on trying to be right and trying to be so correct and you know they attach their credibility to hot takes. You know, like why? You know, everybody just I mean at the end of the day we don't know. If, you know, like the Saints playing the Falcons this weekend, we don't know if the Saints gonna beat the Falcons. We don't know. You know what I'm saying? We, we hope that they do. But we don't know for sure. We can do prediction and be like, man, the Saints going to win, you know, I don't know, 31-16. We don't know if that's true or not. We just give our opinions about how the game going to go. And I feel like anybody that's taking their opinions further than, you know what I'm saying, trying to make it gospel, like, that's why I feel like, you know, that's when you feel like you just kind of lost yourself. I would love to save four games and allow only one touchdown, but against a, a QB-less <coughs> Broncos, it's hard to brag on that one. Uh, yeah. Look, I I, I don't know, man. All, all I know, all I know is um, they want a football game, and it's not like Taysom Hill is is going to be like the quarterback for the foreseeable future. We just need him to. Steer the ship until number nine get back. That's that's what we need. You know, it, it'll be one thing if Drew Brees retired and you know we would be having these issues. Then maybe it'll be a little bit more of a uh, issue, or you know, be a little bit more, I guess, sense of urgency going on here. But we just need him to steer the ship. I think we'll be okay. Uh, Taysom definitely has an arm. He just has to work on being on point with his throws down the field. Yeah, but that comes with practice. You know, it's one thing to practice this stuff in, in practice. But to actually do it in a real-time game when somebody trying to take your head off is completely different. And um, I just feel like he needs to work on that. Uh, while this is true, my point is don't take any team for granted. Otherwise, they'll stomp a mud hole in us. Yep, that's true, Rudy. I mean, look at the, uh, the Falcons last week, right? Falcons lost to the Saints. Only scored nine points, came back, scored 44 on the Raiders. I feel like two things happened in that game. Number one, you see a pride for Atlanta Falcons team that was ready to ball out. And you seen a, a, a Las Vegas Raiders team. You seen a Las Vegas Raiders team who looked at the Saints game last week and said, man, we about to go out here and sack this dude about 20 times. So it was one team that, that underestimated a team. And you had another team that that was playing for pride at that particular moment. So, never know. I don't know any other team like the Saints. The Saints are battle-tested and through it all, uh, they keep fighting. Yeah, I mean, this is the most battle-tested team in the league. I mean, nobody has broken our hearts more than the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs over the past three to four years. You know, like, it's unbelievable. So, this team definitely is battle-tested. In my Mike Gundy voice, that's why I don't listen to the media because it's garbage. 
like I said, man, it's about controlling the narrative, man. And I've, I've, I've met, like, my fair share, like, radio personality, TV personalities in my lifetime. And I don't know, man. Like, I just, man, I never, like, I don't care, like, where I go in this world. I don't care where God places me as far as, like, being successful. I would never, like, be that person. You know, I don't understand why. You know, like, you see people walking around, like, arrogant, cocky, you know, because you're on television, because you got your radio show, walk past people and make it seem like these people don't exist. And I don't want to be like that. I never wanted to be like that. And the only thing I, I just, man, the only thing I want to do is just make people happy, you know, and make myself happy in the process by making others happy. You have people out here that do their shows and treat people like straight garbage and <clears throat> get mad when people, you know, correct them and pretend like they didn't say certain things and move the goalposts. And like I said, man, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. And, and I don't feel like you got no place for it. Like At the end of the day, like I said, we're all giving our opinions. The media has been saying we are going to lose the past four weeks. It's becoming laughable at this point because we're not a part of the agenda. Understand that, who that nation. We're not a part of the agenda. We are not a part of the agenda. We are not a part of the status quo. The, they do not want us here. I mean, it's just a fact. They do not want us here. You know, like... There's nothing attractive about the Saints to the media, okay? You look at it from a, a history standpoint. The Saints don't have a history of winning. You look at it from a quarterback standpoint. It's not really appealing, even though Drew Brees has been efficient and good <clears throat> over the last couple of years. You look at all these things, man. It's, it's like they like flash. They like sizzle. They like pizzazz, right? You know, when Patrick Mahomes like drawing no-look passes and you got, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers flicking his wrist and all that kind of stuff, throwing his side on. That's what they want to see. They want to see that. They, they feel like that's exciting. You look at Tom Brady winning six Super Bowls and have the supermodel wife. That's exciting. But you look at Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is probably the closest. You're probably going to get to a politician in the National Football League. Really no scandal. I mean, been with his wife since college, got four kids, uh, says all the right things, does all the right things. You know, like boring you know throws the ball down the field you know about 15 20 yards but get to get to uh to the goal line for a touchdown boring right he ain't throwing the ball 60 yards boring we're not a part of that we, we we're not a part of the media agenda so we just have to deal with it so they're gonna try to find ways to try to discredit us or make us uh you know Look like we're going to lose or not going to do anything. <clears throat> uh, taste some hesitation on a blown screen pass to AK-41 proved everything I need to know and regardless of his confidence. Coach uh, got after him that uh, for that. Yep, four seasons into the system, bro. No excuses. I mean, he might not ever be what we want him to be. We, he may not. You know, he may not be what he, we want him to be. But like I said, how are we looking at Taysom Hill? How are we looking at him? 
How are we looking at them, folks? That, that's all I want to know, right? Uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back in a second. Hey, this is TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I want to take a minute to tell you about POW Audio. Now, POW Audio is going to change your listening experience. You're probably asking yourself, TJ, how is POW Audio going to change my listening experience? Because POW Audio has a revolutionary design, delivers a crystal clear and powerful sound in a collapsible Bluetooth speaker. That's right, collapsible Bluetooth speaker and is designed for ultimate portability. So check out facebook.com, search POW Audio or on their website, powaudio.com. That's P-O-W-Audio.com. Yeah, we back here on the State of the Saints podcast. Sorry, folks, I had to give me something to drink. Bro, a little dry. You know, I mean, you have that dry cough. You know, I mean, you have no water or something like that. You feel like your throat dry, so you're still having that dry cough. That's what I'm having. <laughs> All right, so anyway, um... But yeah, folks, I mean, look, we can break down X's and O's all day. We can talk about, you know, game film. Y'all know that's kind of, that's really not my lane, you know. We just, I just like to keep it real here on the State of the Saints podcast. I mean, that, that mean I, I answer the questions, you know, give my opinion. You all give your opinion. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of what it's all about. You know, we, we, we talking about these issues with Taysom Hill. Uh, Cornelius says he's Tebow uh, 2.0. Uh, that's how. I, that's how. Okay. I mean, you're entitled to appear in Cornelius. You know, I don't know what he is. You know, I, I don't know exactly what Taysom Hill is, but wherever he is, I mean, we're glad to have him uh, as a New Orleans Saint. Uh, Taysom Hill has been really good in the Saints uniform, and he is a matchup nightmare because teams really have to, uh, you know, they have to have a game plan for him. But the Saints line them up in so many different ways, it's hard to zero in on them. So, we are spoiled because of Drew. We have to understand that. I mean, that's true. All these years of great quarterback play, all these years of touchdowns, all these years of uh, great moments, all, the, all these years of credibility. And if you've been a Saints fan longer than 15 years, you know that the Saints have not been that good. And I know that a lot of our emotions come from that particular point. You know, I'm 34 years old. I can remember, like, during the time when the Saints weren't that good, right? In the, in the early, mid-90s, you know what I'm saying? When the Saints sucked. You know, when Mario Bates and Ray Zellis was running the football, you know? When you had, like, uh, you know, when you had Jim Everett as your quarterback. When you had the Billy Joes as your quarterback. When you had Danny Warfel. And I get it, man. You know, like we had to, we basically had to, uh, you know, tuck our heads into the into the ground. You know what I'm saying? Because we were so embarrassed at this team. And I think some of that stuff carries over into the future. And we don't want to feel like that anymore. Because 15 years of talking crow, 15 years of legitimacy, 15 years of being able to be in the middle of the barbershop talks, whether you're in New Orleans or you're in another uh, state, dude, you know, being displaced by Katrina. You're still able to sit up in a barbershop and say, man, my team, the Saints, and be proud to say that. You know, at one time, it wasn't like that. So I get why people are, like, so skeptical and, 
and, and concerned about the quarterback play and concerned about the wide receiver play and concerned about the running backs and concerned about the defense at times because we don't want to go back to those moments. We don't want to be in the land of obscurity. So in certain ways, that's the reason why I feel that's why I, I kind of understand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan bases for jumping out of the windows the way that they did. Look, it's funny, <laughs> you know, that they did that, but I completely understand. When you go all those years of not being relevant, when a team does something to generate excitement, you want to hold on to that excitement and you never want to let it go. But we also have to be realistic. We also have to understand that quarterbacks like Drew Brees don't grow on trees. Quarterbacks like Drew Brees are not in the league all the time, okay? You can go and look at some of these other teams around here, all across the NFL. You're probably not going to find any quarterback that resembles Drew Brees. You probably have him resemble him in height, probably arm strength, but his way of thinking, uh, his accuracy, his ability to throw players open, his ability to put players in positions to succeed, it comes around every blue moon. And I just think that we are spoiled by the player Drew Brees to a point where we don't even know how to fully evaluate a quarterback. We don't know how to evaluate quarterbacks anymore. You know, it's almost like you know, it's almost like if you were dating someone, and you know, you were dating someone, and y'all kind of did some things. You went out, and and you know, you you went out every other weekend. Or, you know, y'all probably took a trip. You know, went to a nice little hotel every now and then. But then you meet that other person. And you're going out every week and you're going to these nice uh, places and you're traveling. And you're going to all these places that you've never seen. And all of a sudden, I don't know, you break up. And then you go back to this other person or I mean, you go back to uh, or go to another person. And <laughs> they, they want to do something, you know, pretty mediocre. You're like, man, hold on now. And I was taking trips. You know, I was going to these five star restaurants. Man, I was out here living a living a good life. You know what I'm saying? I I was I was out here living my best life. Like I ain't about to sit up in here with you. Like like it, it changes the way that we think. So we evaluating quarterbacks completely different because of the great and stellar quarterback play that we've had over the past 15 years. So if we're looking at a play on third and seven, Taysom Hill throws the ball over the head of Michael Thomas. What are we thinking? Well, on third and seven, man, Drew would have completed that pass. Well, he's not Drew Brees. He's not Drew. He is not Drew. So it's it's not fair to Taysom for us to compare him to Drew Brees. It's not fair to Jameis to compare him to Drew Brees. And that's the reason why I feel like we're on the fence and we were on the fence with people like Teddy Bridgewater, right? Because we had such stellar quarterback play. So if you've been a fan for the same for 15 years and somebody else comes through the door and they're not, you know, throwing a ball, completing 72% of their passes, uh, you know, like if they're not having a high quarterback rating, they're not throwing uh, passes to Michael Thomas left and right, you know, throwing them open, then we're like, man, we don't want that. But there's only one Drew Brees, folks. You know, we, we have to understand that. There's only one. And once he leaves, man, I don't care who it is. It's going to be a great drop-off at quarter at the quarterback position. Sean Payton said the game plan changed 24 hours before the game, uh, after it was known after Denver's quarterback situation. They backed off and Taysom played like he was instructed to. Well, 
Lynette, I agree that he did back off, but did he back off when he threw that pass and double covered with Jericho? Did he did he back off when he threw that pass and it was intercepted? You know? Did he did he back off when he hesitated to throw the ball and to in the flat to Alvin Kamara that would have went yard? Uh what about that play, you know, when when um Marquez Callaway was open? You know, so I mean, look, he did run a game that he did play the game plan, but let's not pretend like there weren't opportunities that Sean Payton gave Taysom to throw the football and it didn't look good. All right. So like I said, we can talk about we can talk about like better days ahead, which I feel like there are some better days ahead for Taysom. But I'm not gonna pretend like there weren't some opportunities that he didn't take advantage of. I think that we would be uh I think would be pretty naive. No disrespect to anybody, but I'm even including myself. I think we all would be naive if we didn't look at some of those issues. Uh, Arians loves the long arm bomb and for a quarterback rating is suicidal, but seems to see this now that Brady is in the system. Uh, well, the thing about it is, uh, lag beat. Uh, the thing about it is people always knew this about it, but it's almost like because it's Tom Brady, it's amplified, right? Depends on the situation. Depends on the team, things are amplified, right? For example, if the Cleveland Browns were like 4-7, and seven, nobody would care, right? Nobody would care because they're the Cleveland Browns. They're known for losing, right? But now you look at the Dallas Cowboys. Now everything is amplified. It's terrible. Everything horrible and big D, Right? Because of the situation, because of the circumstance. Like you said, Tom Brady. But everybody knew this. Everybody knew this about Ruth Aaron. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. If you are a person that is big on analytics, anybody that has watched them, if you're a Steelers fan, if you're a Colts fan, if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, like you know that this guy does not put his quarterbacks in positions to succeed. He just does not. And I, I've said this, you know, I, I've said this for weeks. That is why when when Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans would come into the State of the Saints podcast and they wanted to get a rise out of us, I was never rattled nor shaken. And I, I even said it on uh, several occasions that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will never, I'm telling you, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will never win anything with Bruce Arians. I'm telling you, they will never win anything with Bruce Arians. And I know that. And you should know it. Bruce Arians is the Jeff, a modern-day Jeff Fisher. You know, Je you know, Jeff Fisher would get opportunities and keep his job. And you like, why? You know, like, why is he here? Why do he keep his job? He's, you know, like, it's like certain people that I'm just, I just wonder to myself, like, how do they keep getting jobs? Like, Lane Kiffin. Like, how do you keep getting jobs? Jeff Fisher, how did he keep his job in Tennessee so long? Bruce Arians, like, what has he done in order for him to keep getting jobs? Like, he a quarterback whisperer. Who gave him that title? The media? You know, like, when somebody just put that in a newspaper and somebody like, hmm, yeah, okay, quarterback. Okay, hmm, all right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go with that. Like, who gave these guys this title? And you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, God bless his soul, but it's like John McCain, they used to call him the Maverick. Like, 
All of a sudden, like, everybody in Congress started calling him Maverick. Like, you know, like, okay, where did that come from? Why is he a Maverick? When you think about it at the end of the day. You know, like, why is Bruce Arians the quarterback whisperer? Why is this keeping him with a job? But like I said, I mean, I want him to keep him. You know, just like I wanted the Falcons to keep Dan Quinn or, you know, uh, Mike Smith. You know, like, keep him. You know, because it's going to make the Saints better. You know, and keep winning the division over and over again. Because these guys can't get out of their own way. You know, it, it, even, even with Sean Payton. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sean Payton... His biggest issue over the years is not being able to get out of his own way. But as you notice, like in the last few seasons, he has been trying to commit more to the running game. He has fixed his offensive line to be a run-dominant offensive line more so than a pass-protecting offensive line. Because he understands that number nine is not going to play forever. Bruce Arias will try to make his offense work regardless of if it's successful or not. And that has been the issue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since he has gotten there. And it will continue to be the issue. You got two stud running backs. But I ain't going to say nothing, man. I'm not going to give the game. I'm not going to give the game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But everybody know what it is. Everybody know what it is, man. Look, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, if you up in this thing, y'all know what it is. You can't even, you can't even dispute that. You can't. <clears throat> We don't need to have another Drew Brees, although it would be nice. We just need to have a quarterback that's good. A quarterback that can keep the Saints in the Super Bowl contender category. I want the Saints to be in the same category the media talks about. Media thinks Brees and Peyton are the only reason the Saints are good. Yeah, Casey, I mean, because that has been the narrative. And we just finished talking about narratives, right? Guys take titles and they just run with them. They don't even, like they don't even look and and, and see if if that has if that has changed or not, right? They, I mean, it, it's just you know Saints, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, many years, you know New England, Belichick, Brady, uh, Green Bay Packers, you know like oh you know Aaron Rodgers, uh, Chicago Monsters of the Midway. It, it's like things change around the teams; they develop. There are different nuances to the team, but they keep that same stigma. And uh, I say, let them, Casey. I let them, I let them keep talking. Let them like, let them keep thinking that this team is is surrounded by just average, middle of the pack type players, and they're not good because you know, you know, because of Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But what they're not telling you is that the Saints. Or seven and zero, when somebody outside of Drew Brees starts. So why are they seven and zero? It's because of Sean Payton. But you look at some of these other guys. You're looking at Brian Flores, right? You're looking at uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, you're looking at all these other coaches, right? Before you even get to Sean Payton. But in my opinion, the last two years has probably been some of the best coaching Sean Payton has done in his entire career with the New Orleans Saints. When you can take guys who are not named Drew Brees and still put them in a position to succeed. When you can take a guy like Teddy Bridgewater and get him paid. When you can get take a guy like Jameis Winston and try to resurrect his career. When you can take a quarterback with a, with a messed up shoulder and turn him into a surefire Hall of Famer. Why not give Sean Payton credit? Why not give him the credit for being a good coach? 
You know, if anything, you know, I, I would have to say, like, you know, Sean Payton is the main reason for the Saints being successful over these last few years. I think we got to give him credit for that. But I say let him keep talking. I mean, this team is is loaded. This might be this might be the most complete team in the National Football League. Anytime your left tackle goes out, James Hurst comes in in the middle of the week, and he still does a formidable job. You got Andrew Speed out, and then you got Nick Easton come right back in, and, and the running game don't miss a beat. You know, like, come on, man. Unfortunately, being conservative caused some uh, missed opportunity for Taysom. Uh, it, it depends, Robert. I mean, what, what opportunities are we talking about here? Opportunities to throw the ball of him, uh, opportunities to make plays in other ways. I, I would have to understand what you meant by that. But, look, the key is to win a game, okay? If uh, if we just talking about conservative cost of him opportunity for us to evaluate him, I can live without that. I can live without evaluating Taysom Hill as a quarterback. As long as a win come with it. Nate Robinson. I, I don't know exactly what that means. But we all know what happened to Nate. Out uh, to physical therapy. Thank SOTS. Uh, okay, Charles, man. Good luck with that. You know, take care of yourself. Kevin says, Tom Brady is great, but he is the best system quarterback to ever play the game. Yeah, he is. You know, I mean, look, man, Tom Brady is a great quarterback. Okay. I, I feel like he, people say that he's the greatest of all time because of the number of Super Bowls that he won. And look, if I was to say, I would say that Drew Brees is the greatest quarterback of all time. I would say that Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. That, that's what I would say. I, in, in NFL, I would say he's the greatest winner of all time. But uh, as far as that, would Drew Brees, like, would Drew Brees have six Super Bowls if he was in New England? Absolutely. He would absolutely have six Super Bowls. Probably have more than that, you know? Uh, did you watch Nate fight? Uh, I seen him get knocked out. I don't know about no fight. You know, I seen him get, get put to sleep. But I did see it, man. I mean, that was entertaining. I, I, I must say this, though. Uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones didn't really live up to expectations. Uh, I guess if you lowered your expectations, I think it would have been fine because, you know, two 50-year-old guys going at it, you know, then, you know, what, do, what can you expect? But... I think if it wasn't for that Nate Robinson fight, I think a lot of people would have been disappointed. I think the fact that he got put to sleep uh, really um, made people feel like they got their $50 worth. You know, I'm sorry that uh, Nate had to deal with that, but I mean, he kind of saved that pay-per-view in my eyes. Uh, Denver has a strong defense. Just because the offense wasn't there doesn't mean it was going to be a cakewalk offensively. Well, I never thought that. I mean, I I've said that in predictions Leading into the game. Leading into the game, I told everybody it's not going to be an easy game. I said that team has a lot of pride over there, and they did. I think Raheem Morris will do great things for Atlanta and will make the rivalry series and the division a lot more interesting. Uh, Rudy, um, look, I like Raheem Morris. Uh, I really do, man. Look, I'm not trying to make this a color thing, but I, I, I do root for you know, the African-American quarter, I mean, quarter, quarterback, African-American coaches, because I feel like they need more of those guys in the league. I really feel like Raheem Morris uh, should have got another opportunity to be a head coach. And 
in Atlanta, uh, it seems to me like these guys love this guy because if they didn't, um, they wouldn't care, man. Like, they wouldn't be out here playing. These guys would be like Cancun on three. But they're really trying to put it together and trying to put a good body of work for Raheem Morris and a good campaign for him to keep this job. And, you know, if uh, Arthur Blank, if you don't have anybody else, uh, if you don't have anybody else that's coming, then, you know, I mean, I say go with Raheem Morris. If, if the coach that you're not trying to get is a name, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is one. I know people like, man, what, look what he's doing in Michigan. Look, some guys are better, are better NFL coaches than college coaches. And some guys are better college coaches than NFL coaches. Case in point, uh, Nick Saban. Nick Saban was a horrible NFL coach. But he's a really good college coach. So I think Jim Harbaugh is one of those guys that's kind of the opposite. So if you're not trying to get Jim Harbaugh, if you're not trying to get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, or you're not trying to get Robert Seeler from the 49ers, then why not Raheem Moore? You know, or, or you can say Eric Bieniemy too. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not getting one of those guys, you know, and most, you know, most likely if I could pick out of the four I just named, if it ain't Bieniemy and it ain't Harbaugh, then why not Raheem Morris? Because it seems to me like these guys are playing for this guy and they want this guy to possibly be their next head coach. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. TJ, I could have uh, said that better myself. I, um, I don't know exactly. I guess you were talking about the fight. I guess you are talking about the fight, Kevin. Um, or something else I said, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh Top coaches in the league, Peyton, Reed, Carroll, Belichick, Tomlin. Uh, I don't know if I'll go in that order. I will put Andy Reed before Sean Payton. No disrespect to Sean Payton, but Andy Reed, the only thing that was stopping him from being in that conversation of being above the, be above the rest was a Super Bowl championship, in which he got. Uh, rather you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan or not, or a Chiefs fan or not, I mean, you have to respect Andy Reed. Andy Reed has... Andy Reid is probably one of the most respectable head coaches in the league and a guy that I think all of us were rooting for in the Super Bowl. It, you know, once the Saints, uh, you know, got out of playoff, you know what I'm saying, was uh, kicked out of the playoffs, I, I mean, I became an Andy Reid fan because I wanted to see him win one because that was the only thing stopping him from really taking a trip to Canton. And, you know, like I said, I would put Andy Reid first, I'll put Sean Payton second. I'll put Mike Tomlin third. I'll put Pete Carroll fourth. And I don't know the other person. I can't remember the other person that you named, but most likely they'll be last. Well, no, no, no. What am I doing? No. I'll put Belichick first. I'm sorry. I'll put Belichick first. I'll put Andy Reid second. Sean Payton third. Mike Tomlin fourth. Pete Carroll fifth. That, that's what I do. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm thinking with that. Heck yeah, but, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach, NFL coach of all time. Hands down. Hands down. Without a shadow of a doubt. I know when you say Tom Brady is the greatest winner. And Drew, oh yeah, yeah. That's what it is. You know, I mean, uh, Tom Brady is, is a winner. Can't dispute that. But just because you, you win all the time don't mean you great. You know, don't mean you're greater than everybody. That just mean you won more than anybody. You know? I mean, what, Robert Ory got seven NBA championships, but does that make him better than Michael Jordan? 
You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, you, you probably just thinking to yourself, well, you know, Robert Orr was just a role player. Tom Brady it was a star, but, I mean, that's the way I look at it, man, you know? Whoa, lost my live feed somehow. I wonder why TJ started repeating himself. Probably because I started repeating myself. Probably because I started repeating myself. Probably. <laughs> uh, no certain order. Okay, Willie. Okay. But that, that would be my order, the one I just <laughs> already read. That. Uh, I've been rooting for Andy since him and Vic hooked up. Yeah, man. I mean, great, great human being, man. Like, you, you got you to gotta cheer for Andy Reid. And you got to cheer for the guy. Uh, Rudy says, uh, what do you think would happen if Tom Brady were drafted by the Saints in 2000? I think Sean Payton would have probably not been out here until 06, and we probably would have won the Super Bowl. No, I, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that because uh, during that time, uh, you had Jim Haslett um, as your head coach. And Jim Haslett was a, a defensive-minded coach. I mean, uh, the offense wasn't, you know, as efficient. I mean, so I don't know. Like, it, it's about man, it's about the right connection. You know, it, it's about the 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 right coach quarterback connection. That's what it's about. So you can have, like I said, you can have all the talent in the world. It's like okay, it's like Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen has like great arm talent, huge huge arm. Right, but he don't have the right coordinator. It means Jack. I, me, me personally, I still feel like he, he leaves a lot to be desired. So who's to say, like, if they didn't go out here and get a really good offensive coordinator, how great this guy could be? This guy could be like the, the next Jim Kelly, what they want him to be. He can be that guy. You know? I mean, if Andy Reid didn't go to Kansas City, how good would Patrick Mahomes be? I mean, he can have all his arm talent, but look, if he, he doesn't have any direction, how good is he going to be? So, just because, you know, Sean Payton, would, I mean, just because Tom Brady was great in New England, don't mean he would have been great for the Saints or any other team. It, it's about putting this guy in the right position to succeed. Um, Tiffany says, uh, no need to overreact. I believe Taysom did. What was asked of him? One game tells us nothing. Well, I agree with that, Tiffany. I don't think the uh, I don't think one game, I don't think one game is going to tell you anything about a player. You know, I just think that we haven't seen a larger sample size, and I think that's one of the main reasons why people are so frustrated because they they want to see more out of him. I think they want him to come out the gate throwing four and five touchdowns and and be like, look, it, it's it's Un undeniable. This guy's going to be the future of the team. But look, I don't know if Taysom going to be the future of the team. And honestly, at this point, I don't care. The only thing I care about is the Saints winning, staying atop the NFC, winning the NFC South, going into the playoffs, and not seeing some of the same ridiculous mistakes that I've seen in the playoffs over the past three years. And if they can do that, then I'll be fine. If they can't do that, then, you know, what are we talking about? You know, we can, like, I don't want I don't care, you know, because... It's irrelevant right now. It is absolutely irrelevant, folks. It is irrelevant that if we find out about Taysom Hill and him being the future of the Saints. Because we all know that Drew Brees is still on the roster. And as long as Drew Brees is on the roster, then, you know, 
<laughs> Taysom Hill don't matter. No disrespect to him. Uh, as a quarterback, he does not matter. Uh, Jameis Winston as a quarterback, he does not matter. Not at this point. Now, next year, if Drew Brees has a press conference and he announces his retirement, then maybe we can start having these type of conversations. But I don't think that we're going to see anything. I don't think that Sean Payton is going to be like, look, man, he, yeah, man, we, look, we got our quarterback. I don't think that ever going to come out of his mouth this season. And I think all of this right now is just speculation. What we need from Taysom is just for him to limit his mistakes, go out there, run the game plan, put the, put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And, you know, and let it ride. And let's just keep on stacking up these dubs. That, that's that's all we need. I don't care if they win it by a field goal. I don't care if they just win it by a safety. They sack a quarterback in the back of the end zone. I can care less. As long as the Saints have a good record going into the playoffs and keeping that number one seed and that, num you know, and keeping, uh, you know, the NFC South uh, championship rolling, you know, and, and getting that, uh, in that wild card home game. That's all that matters to me. Or a first round bye. Man, TJ, I won't lie. I'm still depressed about that no uh, pass interference call against the Rams. We would be sitting with two Super Bowls under Breeze and Peyton right now. You know we would have scored more than 13 points against Brady. Yeah, we, we would have scored more points. Uh, but like I said, man, I mean, that's, that's over. We can't have that back. We can't go back to that moment. We don't have a DeLorean. Uh, none of us are Michael J. Fox or Christopher Lloyd, so we can't go back in time. But the only thing we can do is, man, right the wrong by going and 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 winning a championship or, or being in a contender, or being a championship contender, or even being in a spot, putting yourself in a position to be a champion. That that's that's what it's all about, you know. And they have opportunity, man. I, I look at this NFC and no disrespect to no team, but I don't see no I don't see no world beaters out here. I don't see nobody that can just that's separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Not even I hate to say it, not even the Saints. You know, they're they're doing a good job defensively. But I'm not fully convinced that a team can't roll into town and beat the Saints. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, everybody's it's like an equal playing field. Green Bay equal playing field. Seattle's equal playing field. Uh, you know, like Everybody, everybody to me, you know what I'm saying? Even like, even the Buccaneers, they can, you know what I'm saying? They can put up points. So it's an equal playing field. Do I feel like more confident about the Saints? Yes, yes, I, I really do. This could be. This is this is the year that we can get the playoff performances that we've been looking for, like those dominant uh, football performances that most teams have going into the Super Bowl, like. When when teams make that playoff run, right? When teams make that playoff run and you automatically just start to see like that one team just kind of emerge and they just head and shoulders better than the rest. You look at the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, running the ball down the throats of, of, the, of the Vikings, running the ball down the throats of Green Bay. I mean, just basically impose their will. Strip these guys butt naked on the field. You know what I'm saying? Left them with absolutely nothing. Clean these boys like buzzers clean deer off the side of the road, picked them to the bone. It was, without a shadow of a doubt, the 49ers were the best team in football representing the NFC at that time. And then you had the Kansas City Chiefs, who started slow, but in the second half, I mean, just imposed their will. Offensively, they were a juggernaut, leading the AFC into the, you know, going to the Super Bowl. That is, that's what, 
I think we're looking for as Saints fans. I feel like the games be way too nipped up. You know, they be way too close, man. Too many mistakes. Like, let this be the year where we just be like, okay, the Saints are that team. They are that team that we wanted them to be. Pat Mahomes is a system quarterback. Well, he in the right system, I can tell you that. <laughs> Still too soon. Um, high, what's going on? Uh, dubstep. Uh, Saints, uh, 7913 NFC South says the refs, the only ones who can stop us in the playoffs. Yeah, that and bad play calling and bad execution. Uh, let's, let's see. Green Bay and Seattle, thank you very much for the $2. Said, Don't sleep on us, punks. We threats too. Yeah, I mean, they definitely a threat. Willard says the Minneapolis miracle was just that, a miracle. The pass interference no call was out of our hands. The last year was the only game we we straight lost, speaking on the last three years. Yeah, yeah that's true. That, that's true. That that game of last year, I mean, yeah, we deserve to lose that game. We deserve to lose that game. Uh, do we think Breeze is back on the Week 15 game? He approved for Week 14, right? Well, Look, I, I think you play it the way that you see the team playing. Um, you know, if you have like a certain timeline in which he can come back, and let's just say, for example, the team is rolling. I mean, just let him pull up, heal up completely. I don't want Drew Brees to just be almost healed. I want him to be completely healed before he hit the field. Gotta went out to be uh, completely ahead of Green Bay and Seattle, two losses, and we'll be playing. With, uh, with the loss of the one seed and a bye week. Just saying. Yeah, we definitely got to stay atop of that. We definitely do. Uh, if that system is winning, who cares? Yeah, I, I don't understand. I never understood the concept of how a system quarterback is such a derogatory phrase or statement. I, I never understood that. Like, why is uh, calling someone a system quarterback so disrespectful? I mean, maybe somebody can explain that to me. I don't. I don't look at it as disrespectful. You know, I think that, you know, if you're in a right system, I mean, you can be great. So, don't bother me. Uh, who that TJ? My wife and I recently adopted my son, and I'm so blessed to have him, but even more excited to dress him in Saints gear. Herman, man, uh, congratulations to you and your wife, man. And um, what you guys are doing is absolutely incredible, man, because, you know, I think sometimes... I think we tend to forget, man, about some of these uh, these young kids out here who, you know, who are abandoned, you know, by their parents or, you know, they might be born to a person that can't take care of them. And, you know, they get lost in the system. So, man, shouts out to all the, the parents out here that adopt children, you know, giving them stable homes, giving them a future, giving them a chance. You know, I, I think about that from time to time, you know, like, you know, what happened if my mama, you know, didn't. You know, didn't want to have me or didn't want to take me. I mean, my mom wasn't rich, you know. I mean, we were poor. You know, I, I can I can remember, like, just certain days, you know, some of the things that, you know, mom had to do. Like, she used to have a friend, you know, that worked at a at a deli. And, um, you know, we used to be, like, so poor. She would, like, you know, go to the deli and the guy would be nice enough to give her, like, you know, neck bone or something like that. You know, in order for us to cook a stew or, you know, I mean, just stuff like that, man. I mean, we had some, you know, some dark times. My mom, like, wore the same shoes for, like, three years. 
you know, and because, I mean, she couldn't afford to get herself in the shoes. But she took care of us, man. She showed us love. I mean, she, she kept us out of trouble. She told us right from wrong. She told us to put God first in our life. And, I mean, I mean I'm out here talking to y'all right now. You know, I'm a college graduate. You know, I've never been to jail, never been on drugs. None of my brothers or my sister have. So, you know, but I think about that. You know what I mean? She she could have easily just said, you know, I have uh, two other sons, you know, that I can barely take care of. You know, I don't know if I can keep this one right here. But she did. You know what I'm saying? She, and she took care of me. So, shouts out to all of these parents out here, man, that's, that's doing that, adopting kids, giving these kids opportunities. And, um, you know, putting them in a position where they can just, you know, have that love, man. Because, man, that stuff can mess with you psychologically, man. That can mess with you psychologically. And not only are you, like, not only are you adopting that kid, you're saving their lives. You're saving their lives. Right. So, what are the same chances of this season to be a number one seed in the NFC? Um, I think their chances are good as long as they continue to play the way they've been playing. Uh, I think they'll be all right. I think this is a year we let Azalone walk and re-sign Quine. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion at this point. Uh, thank your mom, mama for us. Well, I appreciate that, man. I'm pretty sure she's listening right now. I mean, she probably probably can't respond right now because she's uh, doing the little virtual classes. Uh, she got a, a young students at a, a learning center, and they're, they're doing virtual classes at a center. But, yeah, I thank God for my mom, man. Like, she's an incredible person. Um, some of y'all probably seen her in the chat a couple times on the show. Uh, but, man, she's, a, she's an awesome mom, man. You know, there was some dark, there was some dark days. You know, we didn't grow up with a silver spoon in our mouth, man. We were poor. We were on, like, you know, food stamps. Uh, you know, we had to live off the government and stuff like that. But she always, like, told us and taught us there were better days ahead. And, um, you know, like I said, man, she could have easily just given us up. You know, she could have easily, like, just said, nah, you know. You know, my mom had dreams. My mom had a dream to be a journalist. My mom was a, a you know, and still is. My mom was a writer, you know, like she was a writer and, you know, she had opportunity, man, to go to, she had opportunity to go to college in New York. And uh, she ended up having my older brother, EJ. And, um, man, she gave that all up, you know what I'm saying? She gave it all up to be be a parent, you know, <laughs> to, to my big brother, Emmanuel, you know. So that's the type of person she is, man. And, and, and if you ever see her to this day, man, I'm 34 years old. Like, she still treat me like I'm five. <laughs> yeah, but I love my mom, man. No doubt about that. And I love all of you too, man. Real talk. You know, much love to all of you spending your day and your morning with me. Uh, TJ, how do you feel about Troutman getting more playing time than Jared Cook these past few games? Um, I don't think he got more playing time. But I like the way he's improving as a pass blocker. And I think he's he's trending in the right direction. So, uh, anytime he get the ball, good things happen. You know, he got the ball last week and almost scored. Saints defense must stay dominant. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. As long as they stay dominant, I mean, I don't care who the quarterback is. <laughs> as long as they stay the way they is. Green Bay going to get the uh, first seed most likely if we don't go 13-3. and three. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's see. Um, shout out to Mama Jones. Yeah, man. Shouts out to my mama. Already, you know, I got to already say that. Let's see. Week 15. Thank you very much for the $2. Says, uh, Breeze will be uh, back when <laughs> when I come around. Trust. Yeah, thank you for the $2. Week 15. I really do appreciate that. No doubt about it. I think I had another one. Uh, let's see. I'll get back to you, Willie. The Super Chats, thank you very much for $2. Says, stop skipping me, fool. <laughs> uh, I, I, know, I, I don't know if I skipped one. If I did, I apologize. I don't think I did. Though. I think I'm pretty much caught up. I'm all over, man, I'm all over the place on this, man. So I, I'm, I'm strolling up and down. So if I like go down a little further, don't be surprised. I go back up and read somebody's uh, comment. Let's see. Uh, shout out Mama Jones. Yeah, man. Shouts out to Miles once again. Willie says, I'm concerned. The Falcons are going to put the pressure on Taysom Hill and cause him to turn the ball over fumble interception. Well, if he, if he does, then you live and you learn, right? I mean, you can't become better if you don't make mistakes. Uh, let's all pay respects to Mama Jones. Yeah, man. That's, like I said, shouts out to my mom. She's you know, great person. Uh, if Taysom's career with the Saints is like it was at BYU, that won't surprise me. If he likely gets hurt. He'll have a good backup quarterback who passes it up. Well, I just hope he don't get hurt, man. I don't want to see him get hurt. I mean, he had four season-ending surgeries. I don't want him to do that. Taysom Hill over under .5 touchdown passes this Sunday. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he might throw one. I think he might throw one. Jared Cook has fell off even before Drew went out. Uh, Look. I think he had two bad games, and when Drew got hurt, he never got a chance to redeem himself. So, look, I'm, I'm giving him a pass. I'm giving him, I'm giving, I'm giving Jared Cook a pass because he he really didn't have a chance to like kind of redeem himself after those games. And everybody have bad games, man. Everybody have like a bad stretch. So he didn't have opportunity to redeem himself, and I highly doubt if he gonna redeem himself with Taysom Hill as a quarterback. Mama Jones, thank you very much for the two dollars. Says I'm with y'all. Mom should have been you punks. Nah, man. <laughs> no, shouts out to my mom, man. But I'm man. Look, I'm pretty sure they have some really great moms up in here as well. So, you know, <laughs> I about to just say my mom's just the only great mom up in this thing, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people believe the same thing that I'm saying. I mean, I love my mom and a lot of respect to her and stuff like that. But there's some incredible mothers out here in this world. That are doing some great things for their children as well. And shouts out to all of you. And I already know because I'm married to one of them. You know, shouts out to my wife. You know, who, who, you know, been a mom for about what 18 months and and knock it out of the park, man. Incredible. Uh, Saints uh, 7913 NFC South says Taysom Hill needs to throw first touchdown pass before Drew is back. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, right? <laughs> that would definitely be nice. Atlanta will definitely probably have a, a different game plan this time around. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta decides to blitz him all game. Yeah, man. I mean, the Denver showed that you can't be successful blitzing Taysom. They, that's what they showed you. So, yeah. So, I would. Quan was the missing element. If he stays healthy, we will be fine. Tight ends have killed us in big games and in the playoffs real talk. Yeah, well... 
I think I think uh, Malcolm Jenkins being there will help. Also, uh, C.J. Garner Johnson, uh, Patrick Robinson playing pretty well. So, and also you got D.J. Swearinger too, man. So I mean, it's not like we we going in kind of shorthanded this year. And I just hope every I just hope everybody can stay healthy, man. I, I just hope like I, that's why I was so nervous about Janoris Jenkins, and I'd be highly surprised if he played this Sunday. I wouldn't let him play. I mean, I'm just being serious. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask of him to play. Uh, you know, we we gonna need him down the stretch. Like, no disrespect to Marshawn Lattimore. I think he playing at a higher level than Marshawn Lattimore right now as a corner. Janoris Jenkins is playing otherworldly. I mean, Marshawn is playing pretty well too these last few games, but Janoris Jenkins is on another level right now, and we need all of these dudes. We need all of them. We we need all of them. So put your mask on and stop uh, losing draft picks. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Social media, man. They'll tell on you. They'll tell on you. The feds are indeed watching. Uh, I can see Winston playing this game. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean uh, Payton pulls another surprise. Won't surprise me either. I think he's gonna get some snaps. Uh, we lose if we go on a, a shootout with Matt Ryan. Hill can't keep up. Well, you got Tate, um, you got Jameis on the bench, so wouldn't be surprised if I see Jameis playing in this game. <laughs> Might see him do some snaps. Uh, I just want Jameis to shoot it out with the Chiefs. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> because if he does a good job, then what's gonna happen if Drew Brees retire? You gotta think about that, folks. <laughs> Look, it's not the end of the world if the Saints lose. If the Saints lose like one of these games down the stretch, you know, if they lose one or two games down the stretch, it's still not a bad thing. It's not the end of the world. I don't look at, like I said, I don't look at home field advantage uh, the same way I looked at it years past. You know, the Saints have number one seed with a team coming into the Superdome with no crowd, 6,000 people. Ooh, that's intimidating. You know, it's not like. 63,000, 65,000 screaming Saints fans in the Superdome and you come into here in the divisional round. It, it's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're playing on a road, you're basically playing with no crowd. You know, so home field advantage don't really have the same, like, type of advantage like it had years past. So if the Saints don't get home field advantage, like, it's not like they can't go on the road and win. You know, what's the difference? I mean, you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was able to do a... A snap count. You know what I'm saying? He was able to do a hard count in a Superdome. Like, you think he can do that with 65,000 people? Heck no. So, to me, man, it's just, you know, a glorified training camp or a, a scrimmage game. You know, the most disciplined team going to win. It's not about crowd noise. And this, not this year. It's not. I'm going to read a few more of them and get up out of here. Uh, Gardner Johnson. Uh, got dogging him like Patrick Beverly. Yeah, he definitely Patrick Beverly of the team. Definitely, that that is a great that is a great example because that's exactly who he reminds me of. Where would the Saints be without Michael Thomas? Uh, let's see how many how many games Michael Thomas has been back. Was well, just like his second game back, third game. I mean, they were doing pretty well without him. I mean, so I mean they're, they're a much better team, you know, with him. But they can win games, right? They proved it. I love Drew Brees. I think we all do, Tom. I think we all love Drew. 
Uh, Trey Henderson is a beast. I think he needs uh, a better nickname than T Rex. Well, I don't think he had no. I don't think he had no issue with it. I don't care what they call him. You know, as long as he, they call it his name to get a sack. Uh, but you know, we want the game against the Chiefs. Well, I, I tell you, I put it to you like this: What game would you rather have? Would you rather have the Chiefs in a regular season or the Chiefs in a Super Bowl? I would rather have the Chiefs in a Super Bowl. I can care less. Like I said, I can care less about a regular season. Saints win one more game, they guaranteed the playoffs. Okay? I don't care if the Saints win one more game and fall off a cliff, they still go into the playoffs. All right? <clears throat> so, the way I see it, I don't care about this regular season Chiefs game. I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten, more times than not, the Chiefs going to be in the Super Bowl. And if the Saints do what they're supposed to do, they can get their rematch. I'm not concerned about that. I don't care about the Chiefs. Like, for real. Like, I I, I hope everybody, I, 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 look, I get it. It's a, it's a measuring stick game, right? It, it's a measuring stick. Oh, man, we going up against the world champs. I can care less. All right? Look, I want to see the Chiefs a second time. All right? Because that means that the Saints went to the Super Bowl. That's what I want. Care? I don't care about no Chiefs and no Saints. I don't. Not this time around. I just want. I just want to be in a playoff. Get me in a playoffs. Let's win. You know, one, two, or three games, whatever position that you're in. And let's get to the Super Bowl because time is a ticking. All right. You ain't gonna get too many opportunities like this. KC game will be true uh, gauge of how good our defense really is. Yeah. Titans versus Saints in the Super Bowl. That wouldn't surprise me. Titans are really good. What if the Falcons' game plan is to stop Taysom and we start Winston? Well, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, we going to smoke the Chiefs. Uh, look, I, I do think that the Chiefs are a tad bit overrated than people making them out to be. Uh, you know, I think that they are overrated. Uh, I don't think they just out here just destroying teams. I think their defense is suspect. And uh, I think there's some things you can exploit. We definitely don't need to be playing in snow, rain, weather in the playoffs for sure, though. Why not? Why not? You know, like, oh, like that's that's another thing. Like I said, the stigmas, right? Don't teams can't travel. Don't team can't play in the cold. Don't teams can't play outside. Like, come on, man. Like, I, the Saints beat Philadelphia, right? In Philly. It was cold out there. All right? I mean, so, look. I'm not buying this, folks. I'm not buying it, man. Like I said, like that's the that's the narrative. That's what they try to do. They try to get you all scared and shook and be like, oh man, it's over. Cause they're a dome team going like, bruh, this team is one of the best teams in the National Football League playing on the road. They're one of the best. So I'm not, I don't care. I don't care about them playing. I don't care about them playing on the road. That like that's stupid. Like what? What teams forgot? Like think about this. Te do do team? You got dudes from different walks of life, right? You got dudes from different colleges all across the country. Let's look at Ryan Ramchick for example. This guy went to Wisconsin. Does it snow in Wisconsin? Yes, it does. Nick Easton went to Harvard. You think Nick Easton? I mean, he in Massachusetts. You don't think it snows in Massachusetts? Uh, Drew Brees, he went to school in Indiana at Purdue. You don't think it snowed <laughs> in Indiana? I mean, Michael Thomas, Ohio State. Malcolm Jenkins, Ohio State. Uh, Marshall Latimer, Ohio State. 
I mean, you got some guys that, that played in hot weather like CeeDee Deuce and, and Janora Jenkins, but Janora Jenkins played all them years in New York. Does it not snow in New York? Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, that's the craziest thing ever. Yeah, dome teams. Dome te Like, to all teams, are cons uh, they consist of a collection of players all across the country and around the world. That makes absolutely no sense if you look at it. None. That, like that just that is just something that they just say to try to, I guess, like you know, make it intriguing and uh, you know what I'm saying to get a get a good article going. Like that that makes no freaking sense. You got some guys like I said they play in hot weather. They come from hot weather, right? I mean Cam Jordan from uh, from California. I mean, cool, okay, he's not used to playing in cold weather. But for the most part, I mean, you got other guys all across the league, man. I don't care if they're playing in the dome. I don't care if they're playing, like, bro, that, that's so dumb. Like, that's dumb. Like, if you think about it, like, if they really truly thought about what they're saying, like, they probably would never say it again. They probably never say it again because that makes no sense. First time listeners, you have a good flow and are entertaining to listen to. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. I hope it's not your last time. I really, I really don't, you know. I really don't. But we're going to go ahead and get up out of here. I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. And I will be on uh, Forever. Um, I love Atlanta sports podcast on tonight. It's called Forever. I love Atlanta sports podcast. I'm going behind enemy lines, y'all, to talk about the Saints game versus the Atlanta Falcons. So um encourage everybody to go to YouTube.com, search forever. I love Atlanta sports. Uh go to their YouTube channel um at seven, what is it? No, eight thirty tonight, eight thirty PM tonight, Eastern time. Uh, I'll be on the show. So I'm looking for the Who That Nation to come out and support. You know, I don't know how many uh, Falcon fans gonna be there, so I will hope that you know, some of the Who That Nation to come and support your boy. Um, once again, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube.com, search forever. I, I love Atlanta sports. All right. So if you're not doing anything around 830 tonight, uh, you know, come join the show. Um, see what I have to say. Uh, get in the chat. You know, I'm pretty sure some Atlanta Falcon fans going to have some stuff to say, which, I mean, I always enjoy, you know, uh, you know, talking to other teams and stuff like that. I really enjoy doing that. I, I really do. So, ought to be interesting. Ought to be fun. So, hope to see you there. Chad said, first time listening here too. I might have missed this, but Taysom, yay or nay over Winston and why? Okay. This will be the last question. I'm, I'm answering because uh, you're new. <laughs> and I appreciate you being here. Uh, Taysom uh, over Jameis. I would say yes right now because Taysom actually knows the playbook more than Jameis. Jameis, no OTAs, no minicamp. Understanding the complexity of the Saints playbook and the time that it takes in order for you to, uh, you know, grow in the Saints system, I think Taysom is the best choice. Now, Jameis could pass him up, right? I mean, with film study and, you know, working on some of the little, little things that can make him a better quarterback, I mean, my opinion subject to change, but as of right now, uh, I'm gonna go with Taysom over. All right, so 
Thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you all so much. Uh, earlier this week, we have not we have uh, passed, well, we're up to 5,000 subscribers right now. 5,000 subscribers. We have went over the 5,000 mark. And I want to say thank you all so much for making this show so successful, for helping the show to grow. Man, I remember when I first started this show. Now we got 5,000 subscribers. And, and <laughs> another thing that I'm proud of, man, the State of the Saints podcast has been downloaded 850,000 times, okay? Over, <laughs> over the time that it first started, it has been downloaded 850,000 times. So we're almost at a million. That is... That is humbling and unbelievable at the same time, man. So uh, we're just getting started. We're starting to grow. And I know we're going to grow to a, a larger channel. And I thank all of you who have been here since day one, uh, who saw the promise in this channel and has helped contribute to this success. Um, I, I really do. Thank you so much. Uh, Roger Williams says, uh, I hate how all these big sports analysts always against us and always riding Tom Brady behind. Uh, Roger, uh, Gucci Mane, uh, thank you very much <laughs> for the five dollars. <laughs> but I appreciate it, Roger, man. Thank you so much, Gucci. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank y'all so much. And um, if you don't know, you can check out the State of the Saints podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. Um, wherever you get your podcast, I'm pretty sure we're going to be there. Um, and thank you all so much. And enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully I see you all tonight on Forever I Love Atlanta Sports Podcast. And until next time, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>